There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Uh, Hey, guys. Before we get started here, your boy messed something up with the uh, the recording. I mean, for those of you who don't know, Joe and I live on two separate parts of the country, so we do a lot of our recording via Zoom. And I managed to mess that up this week, so the audio quality isn't going to be quite what you're used to. Um, this is my fault. I'm sorry. Please don't stop listening to the podcast forever and ever. All right, let's get to it. What do you do when you take a buddy to a spot and then show up in that spot and he is there with someone else that you don't know? What do you do then? In the shot glass, there's, you know, it's filled with epoxy and at the bottom of that is a tied tequila worm. What is the weirdest thing that you've ever caught? Foul ball hit by Mookie Wilson. The quintessential honey dripper toe curler mouse fly is my current sub assignment. Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that has spent way more money on lure and fly-making materials than the number of lures and flies it has actually produced. Oh. I'm Joe <laughs> <laughs> And I'm Aiden Samak, and I feel your pain, dude. <laughs> because, uh, I mean, that's that's what happens. You yeah. Know, yeah. Well, I don't know about you, man, but like, here's a trap that I fell into when I first started tying flies. I made up, it looked as if I was trying to uh, make potions with the shopping lists that I put together. It was like, oh yeah, <laughs> eye of peacock, uh, <laughs> mane of moose. And, <laughs> and, and, and inevitably, I mean, like the, the, the thing is, is like you go and you get a book. That's like kind of like the first thing, and it has all these patterns in it. I, there, there was a series of them, I forget what they were called, but they were like kind of coil-bound books, man, and each one of them had like, you know, 100, 200 patterns in it. And you would yeah, go yeah, yeah, through these, them. yeah, and you would go through these things, and you'd be like, oh, well, if it's in here, I obviously need it. So you'd end up with mm-hmm. like... <laughs> 
in like jungle cock eyes and shit <laughs> you know just like it's you don't need no yeah no no well yeah dude so i bought i mean yeah you're right like you can get carried away with lists and books i also i'll just find like you, you go to buy like you know bucktail but then you see cool popper heads so mm. you're like oh those are cool and then you're like oh that would look great with this and then you just buy all this material for flies you didn't even intend to make in fact somebody even want, like somebody gave me uh, a tube fly adapter for my vice years ago mm-hmm. And it sat here, and then one day I saw it, and I'm like, I'm about this. And I went out and bought all the <laughs> shit to make tube flies, thinking I'd use them for trout. And I made three. I didn't, I didn't really like them or, or catch anything with them, but the $30 worth of material I bought just for the tube flies is still sitting here. Like, I've done all the things. Have you ever tried to build yourself a rod? When I was in ninth grade, mm-hmm. I, I, I bought one of those, like, Cabela's rod-making kits. And I remember, yeah. I remember spending Halloween in high school, <laughs> and um, yeah, spent all night trying to trying to build a rod that didn't. It ended up working okay. What actually ended up happening to it was I didn't seat the blank far enough in the uh, in the court grip there, and yeah. I hooked a really big fish. I was it was actually uh, you know as I so often call out on uh, a on, fly rod, you built yep, a fly rod. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was on Lake Wall and Pawpack. Um, I still remember I was trying to catch like some panfish and I was on this Uh dock and this dock was on a drop and I was fishing this little white streamer and all of a sudden I'm kind of like watching the streamer come back towards me through the water and it gets about over this drop where it drops from like a a shoal to, I don't know, like 30 feet or something. And I just see this shape come up and it was a striper and yeah, the striper whacks this thing. I set the hook. And immediately, like the the rod just like disintegrates in my hand, and it broke in the grip. So brutal. Now I was out a hundred dollars, and being in ninth grade, that might as well have been ten thousand dollars because like I I sure wasn't going to buy another uh, court grip for this thing. Not to mention like it would involve like scraping the epoxy off the end of the blank. So what I did was I bored a hole through a bunch of wine corks that my mother uh. had a you know had yeah, just yeah. been saved yeah 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 and i cut the top end of it off with wire cutters about two and a half feet threaded it through the hole in the corks and that joe is a story of my first ice fishing rod <laughs> oh there you go repurposed like that? it mm-hmm. that's good see i didn't even do that see i got sucked into it um one year and because and, i literally i stumbled across discount blanks there were some blanks at a flea market and they were super cheap and i also found out later they were also junk you like should have known blanks. better joe <laughs> yeah but here's the thing i never gave rod building a thought until that was in front of me but like 10 bucks for five blanks turned into 100 sure. in rod building yeah. material i built one and it sucked. And here's why. Oh, You'll God, appreciate so, this. It also, Mostly because... Real what? quick, man. You know what the biggest problem with rod building is? What? It's so f- boring. It's not the most fun, unless you're really good at... Well, even oh, if you're dude. really good at diamond wraps and stuff, that's tedious work. I'll, I'll tell you it's what, man. super tedious. I'll tell you what. If your favorite part about tying flies is, like, building a good thread head... Then rod building, <laughs> <You're right. laughs> then rod You're right. building is for you. <laughs> yeah, but so here's what I did. This was way yeah. back in the day, right? And I had just gotten back from a trip to Quebec, uh, and I'd shot a, a buck while Ooh. I was up there. So I thought it would be rad to work a piece of the antler to the grip, <laughs> but it's just really. F- 
hurt my hand like it was just really stupid like i don't know why you would do that well you know what man so, you see all these like um my i i do have a friend uh joey mcavoy who um if you're in pennsylvania yeah he, yeah he has a he has a guide service called uh Captain Joe's guide service. I, I might have to like redo that and plug it uh, better, but <laughs> it's Captain Joe's guide service. I think he Lake Harmony is like one spot that he guides on, which is fun, man. He does like a lot of cool trips. He posts them on Instagram and um, he builds rods too, but right. he builds a lot of the handles out of like lathe turned wood. And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. always interested in how that would be because, like, on one hand, you feel like it'd be uncomfortable, but on the other hand, if it's like turned the right way and it's extremely like ergonomic, it's like video game controllers don't really hurt your hands, and they're not made out of super like soft cork. Yeah, I have a couple custom rods that have really pretty wood turned handles, and they're they're okay. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, like the ones I have are like really heavily varnished and epoxied, mm-hmm. so it's great till there's fish slime on them and they're slippery as hell. There's no uh... grit. Well, yeah. I'm I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that Captain Joe's rods are not I'll like look that. Them up. No, I'm sure they're not. I, I th- I'm sure they're not. <laughs> it, and also, it is Captain Joe's fishing. Oh, just just okay. if you're you. if you're wondering, you're I got to do my boy a favor, man. I got to I got to set them up. up. Look them up. Look anyway. Uh, <laughs> While I know that we have some very talented rod builders that listen to this show, like my buddy, Captain Joe, for those of you that don't build your own rods or botch them like another Captain Joe, that being Joe Cermelli. <laughs> and Hayden, you botched yours too. To I, I did. Yeah, but to be fair, I was 13, Joe. Uh, yeah. You need to get friendly with our sponsors, 13 Fishing. You do. You do. If uh, if you suck at building your own lures or pouring your own soft plastics, you should link up with them as well. Just throw that out there. Mm. Uh, but yes, you should be familiar with them. I had mentioned last week that I had a few of 13's panfish trout prototype rods. Um, just a few days ago, man, they sent me the production models along with some some mini Kalon C reels. Mm. Let me tell you what, like they've done with the Omen panfish trout rods, what bass companies do in that the range of models within the series is pretty impressive. Yeah. Like I really, they have a five foot, six inch ultralight that I love for spinners, especially on smaller streams. Cause the short rods really accurate. And then a seven footer, it's just the bomb for, for small hair jigs or like running a float and jig because the length and softness lets you set the hook from like a mile away. Right. Really cool stuff. Killer rods. Right. That is like one of the things that very much impresses me about 13 fishing. It's like the breadth of models that they put out. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like yes. if if you're trying to get into like some very specialized fishing and you're really trying to like fine tune your setup, I I would say like a deep dive into the 13 fishing catalog is uh, definitely worth your time and consideration. And I'm excited to use, uh, you know, some of their open water rods, but I haven't gotten, uh, I haven't gotten to those yet because it's, uh, I mean, as we're recording this up where I meant to be fishing this week, it's like negative 22. Um, <laughs> but, but I've been biding my indoor time to uh, tie some flies between these bouts of ice fishing. And I've always been curious about how a fly makes a leap to like commercial, like you know how like sometimes you're tying something and you're like, I can f- sell this. Like this yeah. this is a good this is a cool pattern. Oh, right? I know. Yeah. Um. Now, you Joe, you have one of the premier mouse patterns. Is credited yeah. to uh to our very own Joe Cermelli, man. Yeah. Yeah. The Master Splinter has made the leap to commercial. I have one. It's my one. It's the only one I'll ever have. <laughs> 
You want to know what the secret is to getting it there? I just knew a guy. That's the secret. I just, I just knew a guy who would say yes. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. I mean, I did know a guy, but that's really not all. Uh, kidding aside, there, there is more to it than that. Um, some of which we'll explore today in our smooth move segment. Now, normally this is where we let guides and captains tell us about wacky shit their clients have done, but we're putting a little different spin on it at the Vice. But I'm pumped this week with my old friend Brian Schmidt. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Terry? Oh my God. So this is a little bit different. Um, you know, smooth moves, it's often a captain or a guide, but we like to incorporate all people in the fishing industry where applicable. So joining us today is my old buddy, Brian Schmidt, now currently of Brian Schmidt Baits, right? You're, you're, st- you're still making the baits. I see them on Instagram. I am. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I, I know you make a ton of bass jigs that look re- really cool, but it started out with wooden rats. I still have your rats. Are you still right? making the rats, the big swimmer rats? You know, I haven't made one in a while. I don't have uh, I don't have my wood shop set up right now. It's all kind of between my garage and in storage. So, yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I can't I can't get to those at the moment. But I, I miss making those, man. Those were a lot of fun. They're, you you know, I I've been seeing a lot yeah, as I get more into like the fishing realm of things as a fishing podcast host is want to do. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I keep running into these, like these giant wooden rat lures or I, I kind of assumed that they were just for, uh, almost just for show, man. It, are, are those like legit Do people like, are people whacking shit on them? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I always, very... I always thought it was kind of like a, like a double edged sword. Maybe like Brian, I'm, I, if you'll agree on one hand, yes, they are just kind of cool, trendy to look at. Like there is that part of it. But like dudes in the know, man, like you could do some gnarly stuff with big rat topwater swimmers. Absolutely. Well, I mean, what, um, what are, you, what, are you hitting like large mouths with them? Is that, mostly, is that like basically mostly. It? Yeah. Yeah, primarily. That's, that's mostly what they're for. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I was wondering maybe if, if you weren't making as many rats because they were on the, the downswing in trendiness. However, you just said the wood shop's not set up. However, we did not bring you here to, t- to talk about baits, although we could all day. And I highly recommend everybody listening check out uh, Brian Schmidt baits, um, especially if you're a bass dude. But we got to talk about your former life before full time bait maker. Yeah. Remind me how many years uh, you were the guy at Umqua Fly that vetted every single submission that came through from the tying hopefuls around the world looking to get their pattern in the catalog and commercialized. Yeah, that was uh that was almost 10 years. Almost 10 years of my life I spent looking at people's quote unquote work. <laughs> <laughs> so, l- well let me ask you something, man, cuz I've always been like kind of interested in this. When I was a kid, I was interested in fly tying and I'm still interested in fly tying. But like I would make these things, I'd be like, "Oh, like I had a fly fishing mentor. I've mentioned him before, this bus driver, uh Tony." And I would show him this fly that I made. And he'd be like, well, that's just a, uh, I don't know, like a pheasant tail soft hackle variation. That's just a, you know, uh, this variation, that variation. What what would you say, like, at what point do you go, oh, that's like a different fly? Yeah, that was the, that was the absolute best part of my job as right. far as looking yeah. at flies was, you know, trying to find those, those particular bugs, you know, um, you, you got to understand kind of like what 
what I was doing on a day-to-day basis as far as, yeah, I was getting and looking at a lot of flies, but we were looking for something in particular, looking for something specific, not necessarily a betas, a merger, not that right. specific, but we were looking for innovation. We were looking for something that did not scream pheasant tail because it looked just like a pheasant tail. Right. Because mm-hmm. you're not going to pay someone a royalty for another pheasant tail. And right. so there was that aspect of it that really, it made the job a, a whole lot harder because you, you really had to, you had to dig into why they were sending you what they were sending you. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yes, the biggest, the biggest fly manufacturer, they're going to get whatever. So you're going to get the guy who doesn't understand why Umqua exists and he wants to show off that he took a fly class last week and look at this woolly bugger I made. <laughs> doesn't understand yeah. that. We're not going to pay you anything for that because you were one it's of how bugger. many people in that particular class? How many classes went on that Tuesday night, dude? Right. Yeah. Right. So, right. Well, so what, like, what did catch your eye? What caught my eye was innovative use of materials, innovative choice of materials, and ultimately what really what really got me excited was simplicity and a reason for the bug in front of me. So when I would open up, okay, I would have a pile of boxes and envelopes on my desk in the morning, all submissions. And I, you could tell right off of the bat, which ones you wanted to open first because of the care they took in packaging it. Yeah. You know, that alone speaks volumes of what you're about to see. In most cases, not always. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, right. one one in particular. You, you could wrap up a turd real pretty. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you, I, I'll, I'll give you a great example of a, a WTF. Did you bother to send me this thing? Why? I, I don't even understand well, why. Well, you know? Well, wait a minute. Hold on one sec before you do that, because yeah. that's kind of that's kind of why we're having Brian on. Because I thought, man, it would be fun all those years. And I should also point out that you personally, in, in, you know, came up with some incredible bugs during your tenure there. I still throw the Schmitter uh, Schmitter bait, yeah. and the uh, Schmitter bug, which is the only fly I'm aware of that was modeled after the Jitterbug. So, um, you know, you you've done this for a very long time. So that's what we thought would be fun. Yeah, hey. like there have to be some standouts. Before we get into there, because I I know Joe is just gritting his teeth at how I'm derailing this conversation, or maybe we want to get to the funny. I want to hear about the WTF bugs, and you just keep wants to get to the funny part. You and your questions, dude. I'm just like voraciously curious, man. Um, No, go, man. I'm I'm not, dude. I, I've known Brian for a long time, and I'm always fascinated by this, like that job. And there, because there are so many people out there that that want that so badly. So to mm-hmm. have the guy that looked at all those submissions, ask away. Okay, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think an interesting way to contextualize uh, you, Brian, for our listeners is there a specific fly that many, many folks know that you bought to market via like a submission? Oh God, yeah, uh, the game changer. Yeah. Oh, had shit. Game changer first. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as far as what what people submitted and, you know, making getting excited and making that happen, that's a, that's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, most of Charlie Craven's, yep. I mean, everything in the past, you know, while I was there for 10 years, uh, a lot of that stuff was 
I, I mean, the guy's brilliant. You can you can drop an idea on his on his plate, and in a week you've got exactly what you hoped for. So mm-hmm. to give you an example, okay, so the Juju series, okay, mm-hmm. those all came out, you know, while I was at Umqua, and it was like, hey, you know, RS twos sell like unbelievably well. Um, your Juju sells like unbelievably well. Do you smell what I'm stepping in here, buddy? And he's like, oh, <laughs> the Juju RS2 emerger. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go for that. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. That, so I'll, on my side, I got to see trends of sales too and things that would sell. And if Charlie Craven's name was attached to it, it was going to sell. And mm-hmm. if it was a really highly sought after pattern period, it was going to sell. So you blend those things together and holy, you know, the guy can come up with stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, so a lot of those patterns came out, you know, that people, I mean, yeah, everybody knows those patterns. Um, does that answer your question? Is that what you Yeah, yeah, no, at? totally, totally. That's exactly what I was interested in, man. That is yeah. exactly what I was interested in. So I will I, now cease to derail the conversation <laughs> and I will pass it over to Joe. Joe? No, I was say, we can talk about the greats all day. I mean, yeah, Charlie Craven, awesome, Blaine Chocolate with the Game Changer. But, like, having talked to you in the past, like, you, you were saying, like, you would get these crumpled envelopes, and it's like, why would you send a fly that you want us to consider so poorly? So so hit us, man. G- give us some examples of the ones that have stuck with you after a decade of, like, I can't believe somebody just sent me this. Well, one in particular was I remember when uh, Hairline came out with fluorescent bead chain. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so this goes back a ways. And <laughs> within, like, a month, man— I had this envelope that it it was smushed to begin with. It was just like a a letter envelope. And inside it were some like bait holder hooks, micro bait holder hooks and (laughs) white thread that they just lashed this colored bead chain to. And inchworms, those were the green ones. The San Juan worms, those were the hot pink ones. And they were all labeled differently. Right? Oh my gosh. Oh. They just made worms out of a piece of bead chain and white thread on a bait holder. Nailed it. Nailed it. Genius. <laughs> right? That's hilarious. I was like, I'm surprised you didn't get like I'm surprised you didn't just get like two of those little bead chains on that bait holder hook with a white thread and somebody be like, This is a milted egg. A milted egg. Yeah. yeah. Know. You know, that, well the you know, to give the guy credit, I pretty I think it was a guy, regardless. Um give give that person credit. The the inchworm was exactly one inch. He did cut that (laughs) shorter than the San Juan, you know? Yeah. So that was one. And it's just, you open it up and you, you look at it and you're like, well, I responded to everybody. You know, I had to, it was, you know, I wanted to let them know that it got there and in what condition. And if that's not the condition that they meant it to be in, then, you know, please try again. Um, Right. And, or, Hey, we're interested or we're not. Um, And those, some of those just leave you scratching your head. Like, do we pretend it got lost in the mail? Like, (laughs) <laughs> you know, I don't want to, it's going to be an insult no matter what I say it. I don't mean it to be, but yeah, you know, no. The funny thing about that one though is, I, I mean, I'm sure, I, I hate to say it, but they'd probably catch fish. And if you needed to get like a San Juan down 25 feet in a run real quick, I'm sure it would work. But I think the idea of that becoming a, mer- a commercial pattern, like that's where that misses. That's like, where I should have known completely. that would never, like, you're not making that. Oh, I mean, can you, I, I guarantee it's like one of the best crappie and bluegill things you could tie on. Yeah. Do you know what exactly. I mean? Like just sit under a bobber and wait. 
You know, and no so it's like it's, a great tip, but a terrible fly. Absolutely. You know, and it's <laughs> a great it's a great thought press process, but but by no means royalty worthy. You know, right. And uh, right. If we're going to tie up fingers, you know, this is another thing I had to think about, too. If we're going to tie up fingers and then I mean, when I'm saying fingers, factory Tires. people tying. Yeah. Yeah. If we're going to tie up fingers, do we want them tying uh, red size 18 Copper Johns or or these? Right. Right, yeah, probably Red the copper eighteen Johns. copper Johns all <laughs> month long, man. Yeah. yeah, you know, so the size the, twenty atoms. <laughs> yeah, 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 those like you know what's what's good. Yeah, not gonna we're not gonna do that. Um, what was the smallest size atoms you guys sold? Oh gosh, I bet you it was a twenty. I think it was a twenty six while I was there. Jeez, I think it was a twenty six. <laughs> And I'm, and I know fun, we did, man. we did special patterns for, for shops that were smaller. Um, but wow, but you know, those were, yeah, those were, you know, Silver Creek outfitters and yeah. this is that they were going to go through them and they kind of needed something like that, but it wasn't necessary for everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Forget so what else. You forget got? the $8 tarpon flies, man. Those <laughs> size 26 atoms should be 30 bucks. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. No kidding. And you, Yeah. You're not. I've I've I have literally watched girls just crying their eyes out, trying to parachute twenty fours, twenty sixes. I'm not even joking, you man. And you just stand there feeling Brutal. absolutely. This is horrible. side of fly fishing nobody thinks about. You just go into the nice shop and pick them out with the little tweezers and put them in a cup. It's like a woman cried making that. Absolutely, bawled her eyes out, <laughs> contemplated life as she knew it, man. You know. It's like, Absolutely. For that stupid 26 that you're going to stick yep. in a tree. Guaranteed. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So what else you got, man? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes you get these really, really well packaged boxes and you open it up and you're like, Oh, Oh, this, there's something, this could be awesome. And, and yeah, you, you keep digging at it and you open up this diorama and uh literal like seventh grade school diorama. And Wait, what? there's shot glasses glued to this little picnic table. And in the shot glass, there's a clear, you know, it's filled with epoxy. And at the bottom of that is a tied tequila worm. And there's mono tied uh, to awesome. it. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I, I <laughs> that, That's sweet. So absolutely. You know, this is the kind of thing that you're like, Oh, I'm gonna parade this around the building and show everybody. I was gonna say, here. what, what, yeah. what percentage of this of these flies ended up as like desk toys? Oh, everyone that we speak of today will have <laughs> in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, for a, for a short period of time until it was you know returned to them. Um, but yeah, the diorama. There was a. Uh, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, there was actually a an umbrella. You know, like a cocktail umbrella. That was spun to your uh-huh. hair and then glued what? to make it look like, and it, it was really poorly done, but it was made to oh. look like an umbrella. Okay. So this whole diorama you get and you're like, you sc- again, scratching your head, like, what am I exactly looking at? Because is the, the kilo worm the fly? Is the umbrella the fly? Is this just a, ho- it's hope like you're a having whole a good Monday set you guys can package, sell. You yeah. know, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, I don't, I, yeah. So. That was another one that I was just left scratching, man. I didn't know. I didn't know what to make of it. I didn't know. I didn't really know what to do with it. Um, couldn't even get to the to the tequila fly because it was, you know, under epoxy. Epoxied into the shot glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it did have mono tied to it so that you knew that it was to, to look at it. You know, it did have right, it, right. It, that That's clever, right. man. But yeah, yeah, the little picnic table that was made out of toothpicks and uh, the whole nine yards, <laughs> man. It was it was a little beach scene. It was it was phenomenal. But but yeah, what the. <laughs> I think you've given some great advice here for anybody, like any of the hopefuls out there that think they might have that pattern on what not to do. But, um, dude, let, let's let's leave it here. Like, above all else, like, the, the biggest thing to consider if you're a fly tire and you're like, I think this has chops, what's the number one thing, like, thing to check off before you even go any further with it? You really have to have a reason for why you did it, man. I mean, you have to know that there isn't, that it isn't duplicating something. And if it seems as if it's duplicating something, there needs to be an evolution of why the existing didn't work and you needed Mm -hmm. to alter it. So that was, that's what I looked for. That was the innovation. Like I said before, that was what I was looking for, you know, and to be very honest with you, the juju is probably in my mind, one of, and this may sound silly because of how simple it is. It's probably one of the most innovative trout patterns out there. Sure. Because it, it took something absolutely not trout midge pattern material and made exactly what it should be. Sure, sure. So in other words, this fly catches a lot of fish for me and my boys is not necessarily like a great jumping off point. It's not. It's not 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 unless your boys happen to own like a really <laughs> Vale Valley <laughs> anglers or something, you know, right. something like right. that. And that's the other thing to think about too. You know, if you walk into these shops, whether it's a fly shop or a retail bass shop, every peg is taken, every fly box bin is fill, filled. Is, sure, you you sure. need to you need to relocate something to have yours in that real estate. Right, you know, right. So it, it, if you it, it look is, at a yeah. board of winning patterns and you're like, oh, mine isn't going to fit in here. No, no, you know. Yep, yep, yeah, there is the business side of it. Well, this was fun, man. It was good catching up. Hayden, do you have any more questions before we sign off here? I feel like you, like you're thinking. I could see you thinking. (laughs) Um, Uh, (laughs) I, uh, I I can think of some follow-up questions, Joe. You and I have been kicking around a uh you know an, an idea for a segment called maker so maybe we'll have to revisit sometime yes. down the line what do you think about yes. that brian would definitely fit if we if we end up kicking off a makers segment of the show for sure yeah, anyway uh everybody needs to look up brian schmidt bates that's all one word correct brian on the instagrams yep and uh follow and, you right and, now. yeah and follow yeah. him because he makes some 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 badass stuff and one thing i could say about you is you are absolutely not making anything to catch fishermen. Everything has a reason, just like you've talked about with the flies, and um, it is all very good stuff. So, yeah, man, if we kick off some uh, so a maker segment down the road, we will have you back. But in the meantime, dude, thank you, uh, thank you for the the uh, funny fly fail stories. Yeah, 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 guys, it was fun. Thank you for having me. So we hinted at that segment about people who make stuff in fishing and props mm. to you, Hayden. Uh, that was, that was Hayden's idea. Oh, it was our idea, us, Joe. Yeah. No, it was your All idea. of this let is our idea, man. Credit yourself. <laughs> damn it. Uh, let us know what you think about that. Cause we really do value your opinion. And we'd be curious to hear um, how many of you guys would be interested in something like that. Uh, as a big fan of the show, how it's made, I'm all for it. Yeah. You, you also like how it's made there, Joe. Do you like how it's made? I do. 
Do you really? Yeah. See, I figured you were like, I figured you were going to give me crap for that. No, 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 no. Been like, Here's the thing, know. man. Here's the thing. I can't stand <laughs> to watch it that like, I don't like, I, it's hard for me to just watch something that's like purely entertainment. Like family guy is like not something I'm interested in. I, it, it has to have some sort of like, even if it's drunk history, I watch drunk history that's good all, show the, too. all the time. Cause I'm like, okay, well it's funny, but like, I'm also like kind of learning some shit, you know? I'm I'm really surprised. I was expecting to get some some flack for that because it's like at some point robot chicken loses its appeal and yeah. I just want to like sit with a bourbon and listen to the calming narrative about how space heaters are made after a long day. It's like <laughs> it's like a sedative but in a very good way, you know, how well, it's made. Well, yeah man, I'm uh, I'm going to keep that in my back pocket uh next time I'm I'm having trouble falling asleep and I haven't watched it in a little bit. But anyway, mm. uh Listeners, please let us know how you feel about that maker segment and let our audio engineer, Phil, know why you think I was the dominator in this week's Fish News. Fish News! That escalated quickly. Real quick before we jump in, you know, by listener request, we spent a lot of time (laughs) on prostitutes on ice last week. Which was fun and informative and all, but um, s- some big things also happened in Florida, right, recently that we, mm. we've we've yet to touch on. And, and we just want to do that briefly here, and you'll understand why. Um, not long ago, I reported on what was a big win for Captains for Clean Water. I say was, and that's going to be important. Um, back in November, the Army Corps of Engineers <laughs> finally revised its plan for how Lake Okeechobee's water will get managed. And as a reminder... Um, Laco used to let water naturally uh, filter south to the Everglades, and that water has now been diverted east and west, and that's now killing the Everglades. It's starving them. Um, at the time, Captains for Clean Water said, you know, hey, look, the war is not over, but this new plan is a great first step for the future of the Everglades, as the new plan made a lot more sense than um, the previous water management plan. So just a few short months ago, this, this felt like a step in the right direction. Yeah. So uh, now the folks that benefit like the most from water diversions uh, are the folks in the sugar industry. And in in Florida, that's known as big sugar. Right. Um, These are incredibly influential people in Florida. And now they're trying to fast track uh, Bill SB 2508. And in simple terms, this bill is tied to budget procedure and therefore is not intended to undergo like substantial policy change. Uh, there would only be one chance for public comment. And if it passes, Florida could be left with outdated like 1940s approach to managing yeah. uh, their waterways. It would also mean $300 million in Everglades restoration money held hostage by the bill's passing. So no yeah. good. Yeah, it's it's a bad deal, and it kind of came up out of nowhere. So what we're encouraging you guys to do is actually head over to TheMeatEater.com and read the detailed story about this by our colleague Maggie Hudlow. She was actually in Tallahassee on the ground for the rally um, held by a ton of captains to protest. Oh, yeah, this Maggie. Yeah, yeah, she was down there doing her thing. And even if you don't read the story or if you, even if you don't ever plan to fish in Florida, at minimum – Take one minute to go to captainsforcleanwater.org and sign their petition. It takes seconds. Uh, you don't get in on any email list, they promise, and I know for a fact you won't. D- just doing that can really make a difference. Yeah. Hey, and while we're on this, like, conservation beat, 
uh, a little bit here. Um, listeners, Joe and I have been talking and we came up with a little idea that we'd, I guess we'd also like your input on. Um, we only have so much time with you guys each week. And because of that, we're only hitting one news story a piece. And we like to have a little bit of fun here on Ben. We don't want it to be all we like do. doom and gloom. Yeah. We want it to be entertaining. But, you know, we strive to kind of make a combination here and meet in the middle ground where we're giving you some entertainment, but we're also giving you some like important information. And sometimes that means that we're not able to hit every conservation story out there. So we're going to try something at the top of news uh, starting next week called Conservation Minutes. Yeah, because we think we think it's important that you guys know what's going on, even if we're not detailing every one of those mm. stories. So this is going to be just a very quick hit on what's going on in the fish conservation realm. And of course, we'll keep working uh, the biggest stories or the ones we think are, are most important or interesting to all anglers right into the regular news coverage. But um, we're, we're, we're pumped to try that. I think that'll be good. I, I think I'm th- more informed. I think it's going to be good. And, you know, we have so many like talented colleagues over here at uh, Meat Eater that cover this stuff in ways that we might not have time to in this like podcast format. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll also be kind of directing you to a bunch of that stuff. And man, I, I think it's going to, it's going to be good. And I think for the people who are really interested in that kind of thing, uh, like I am and like you are Joe, it's going to be kind of a valuable, like, you know, kind of, uh, what do they call it? Like an aggregation of important conservation news. Yeah, it basically just lets us, you know, keep you keep you up on the important stuff when like something so good like prostitutes on ice comes along and we just can't leave that alone. <laughs> anyway, so that's we did a joint report on prostitutes on ice last week, which means uh, getting back to normal here. It's your lead this week. What do you got? OK, Joe. So l- 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 I'm going to start with the question, man. What is the yeah. weirdest thing that you've ever caught? A foul ball hit by Mookie Wilson. Bullshit. Yeah, I'm not kidding. When I was a little kid. Oh, oh, I get it. You're not your catch. Got you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm messing with you. I don't know, dude. I've caught so many weird things that, like, I don't even know. Like, okay, okay, okay. Not, there's not one that springs to mind as, like, damn. Right, right. Now, we've all gone. I caught a barracuda in Jersey once. Well, that's pretty weird. Little tiny barracuda in Jersey. How about, that's, that's, yeah. how about that? So we've all gone out. We've all caught a non-target species. Like, you know, you're going for catfish or whatever, and you hit a, I don't know, a barracuda in New Jersey because those are definitely fresh and saltwater species. <laughs> <laughs> but have you ever uh, have you ever caught the wrong class of animal? Wrong class of animal. Like the wrong phylum in the in the in the Latin. I don't well, phylum like, donate. Like caught something that, that was an animal but not a fish. I've hooked a million birds, like throwing <laughs> lures at a, a striper blitz and like gulls, you know, every once in a while. See, man, you don't got to be about windmills. Uh, you don't got to be worried about windmills killing birds. It's just Joe Cermelli. Uh, so, so this story comes from NBC 10 in Boston. Angler Keith Poit, I think it's pronounced Poisson, which is, uh, uh-huh. ah, it might be. Anyway. Keith uh, Keith was an ice fisherman from Massachusetts, uh, and he knew he had something big on his tip-up, but I don't think he expected that something to be 30 pounds and furry. You see, 
Keith caught himself. There's a joke. There's a joke there in what, what you just said. But. I'll tell you what. I was ice fishing with my dog, and uh, he was running in, <laughs> into like this group next to us. He ran into all their tip ups, and they almost caught something uh, thirty pounds and furry in the in, in the way of Boone the yellow lab. Uh, so <laughs> he caught himself an otter. Um, there's yeah. a video. I, I saw this. I'm glad you. I'm glad yeah. you did this. I had a feeling you were going to. Yeah. So there's a video of the incident itself, as well as an interview with NBC10 that Keith decided to take in his car for some reason. It's like hilarious. There are tubs of gear and shit behind him. So I mean, I think yeah, I would. You're like... interviewing for the news and you're sitting in your truck. It's weird. <laughs> I, I loved it, man. I think I'd like this dude. Anyhow, the interview and the footage they used are like pretty vanilla. You know, very NBC10. But I found the dude's Instagram, and holy shit, is his video way oh, more fun. I haven't fun. seen that. I oh, haven't I'll seen s- the raw footage. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's uh, Keith's Custom Wood Flags. The dude makes some like pretty cool wood flags. And the very first thing on that Instagram page is the, uh, is, is, is the video. So to get into that video, first off, the dude is swearing like a sailor. And that's not only relatable, but it also makes way more sense why NBC10 used approximately six seconds of this minute long video. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure... <laughs> I'm pretty sure those were the only six seconds where there wasn't a swear shared between the uh, the two anglers in it. Now, mm-hmm. that's part one that I really like about this video. My next favorite part of the video is what Keith's buddy tries to do, which, um, it lo- I mean, it looks like he tries to gill lift the otter in the same way you might try to gill lift a pike. Uh, there are see, I didn't see any of this because I've only seen the NBC oh, ten. Dude, it was very so, tame. It's so f- funny. Um, the first problem is that, uh, an otter does not have gills, making it hard to gill lift. (laughs) The second problem is what otters do have, and that is insanely sharp teeth. If you want to see what a pissed off otter can do, go ahead and Google otter attack. An otter will f*** you up. (laughs) That's why they want to kill them all over in Britain, right? Yeah, right, right. That's what we call a callback in the industry, fellas. Um, yeah. Very wisely, Keith dissuades his companion from trying to handle the otter any further. Now, you hear Keith say that they're going to cut the line, but then he changes heart and thinks that he might be able to get the hook out as it's already in the corner of, like, the otter's mouth. Like, it's just barely in there. It's not like this otter, like, swallowed it. it wasn't in the back of his throat. It was right there, yeah. No, that's another thing that makes the story, like, palatable. If you had had, like, a writhing otter in there, that would not have been uh, great. Anyhow, uh, this otter is, I got to mention, the otter is adorable and honestly like remarkably calm during the whole ordeal it just kind of like comes up like uh if you ever see like the national geographic where they like videotape like seals coming through like the ice holes in the antarctic it's just like it's just like kind of coming up and like taking some breaths and it, it doesn't seem overly angry um it's not thrashing it's not biting at everything and Dare I say its snoot looks very boopable. <laughs> oh, man. Do you participate in Snooter Saturday with your dog on Instagram? No, but I boop that dog snoot all the time. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Dude, I, I can't disagree with this because I got to tell you, like, I you can't help but feel a little bad for it, right? Because, mm. like, it's struggling down there. And then when they finally do get it through the hole and, like, his little nose just comes up and he's just like, yeah, I felt I felt bad for the otter. Oh, I felt man. bad for him because he was he was kind of cute. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> in the interview uh, on NBC 10, Keith mentions that he was sure he had a state record on the line. And although it may not have been the walleye or muskie or whatever else he was hoping for, 
I'd say he can confidently claim the Massachusetts Otter catch and release record through the ice. I think this was a cool story. And what I appreciate is I know that feeling of having something on the line and you're like, I have no idea what I have on here, dude, but bro, like whatever this is, like, this is some crazy shit right now. And like, mm. you're just going through your head of like 50 inch musky or 30 pound wall, like crazy. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I would have like thought it would, I would have been like, God damn, I would have been pissed. I would have been pissed that it wasn't a fish. And then I did feel bad for the little guy. Felt yeah. Bad for the little fella. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, the otter is adorable, but you know what? I actually, my question was how often does stuff like this happen? And as it turns right. out, Joe, it kind of happens like a lot. He is by no really? means. Yeah. He's by no means like the first person to catch an otter through the ice. If you, if you just Google, otter through the ice and you click the little video thing a bunch of shit comes up um same with muskrats beavers not so much uh but you know it's interesting the mammalian bycatch that uh it's, seems to is it mostly through the ice does this happen more i would bet it happens more ice fishing than open water it, i've never it, heard of it open water well joe uh, our very own Brody Henderson. I showed him this video, and he told me about a tangle he got in with a uh, an otter while he was streamer fishing one time. Huh. Yep. So did I streamer, mean, did it actually go for the streamer? Because I because I know people that have snagged beavers. Um, in fact, I know somebody it happened to at night while mouse fishing, but it was it didn't eat the fly. Yeah. No. I I I didn't ask him too much about. It. I mean, like you know we we. We're, we're very hard at work in the mediator office, and sometimes it doesn't allow for <laughs> extended conversation. I'll ask him about it. Um, but no, I, my, my impression was that the, the otter went for the streamer, man. I, I mean, I, that's what they do. That's how they feed. I can see it. I've never, I've never had that happen. I've never, at least I've never seen anything in person, though I do know of a confirmed account from a buddy of mine that hooked a freaking seal in the mouth no. trolling a rubber shad for stripers. Now they're extremely smart, like kind of like dolphins. You don't ever hear anybody hooking a dolphin that like, like a dolphin never eats your lure. They use huh. sonar yeah, and true, they, huh? you know, yeah, because they're, they know it's fake. And I always thought, you know, seals were pretty smart too. And not I, that one, I, <laughs> not that one, but they were literally trolling back Bay along these sod banks. And um, I, I remember seeing a video of it. The reels just dumping. And they're oh. like, oh, my God, this is an 80-pound striper or something. It's a light rod. It's just dumping. And then, like, a mile back, the seal, seal pops breach. up with, a, with, a, with a, a storm shad right in the corner of its oh, mouth. Poor thing. What did so, they do with it? Did they that's, land it? That's, that's the only time I've uh, – no, God, no. They just ended up cutting the line. Like, you weren't reeling that in. That There was no way you were working it to the boat. Yeah. And as, if you chased it, it would just swim a million miles an hour <laughs> the other direction. Like, there was no catching up. So, uh, yeah, no. Please enter your password. You have one unheard message. Oh, hey, man. Thanks for uh, f***ing up the audio for, like, the sixth time in a row now. Um, like I said, if this happens again, I'm finding a new f***ing host. Totally unprofessional. End of message. Delete. Press 7. Save. Deleted. <laughs> 
O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth there's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the sunshine state or any other destination on your fishing bucket list book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids with over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. All right, so we'll go from, uh, let's go from cute little otters to uh, Stone Cold Death. How about that? Because as Sergeant Barnes once famously said, everybody got to die sometime, Red. And if you're a fisherman, why not give back to the fishes when you kick the bucket by having yourself memorialized in an artificial reef ball that creates habitats for the things you spent your entire life ripping from the sea and dropping in hot canola oil? Well, Joe, it only seems right. I I need to point out that you just missed a layup sleeping with the fishes pun. But uh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, shame on me. Shame on me. Anyway, reef ball memorials. This is not new. Okay, Florida-based company Eternal Reefs has been providing this service since the late 1980s, uh, and they, they take the cremated remains of folks, they mix them with concrete, cast them into a reef ball, and then drop that to the bottom. <laughs> is, and according is, to the story, <laughs> what? Is it because that's way more palatable than being turned into chum? Uh, yes, we're going to get to that, though, because I kind of suggest that later and you'll understand why. According to the story I'm pulling from, and this is in The Guardian, there are uh, more than 3000 of these memorial reef balls in 25 offshore sites ranging from Texas to New Jersey. Friends and family are then provided with the GPS coordinates of their loved ones reef ball. 
So if the oh, dead oh. coral wasn't enough for you, <laughs> you can also right. be dead. <laughs> so yeah, well, hey man, but these are you're jumping the gun because these promote coral growth, right? So anyway, no, 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 no. I get the impression that this service, based on your reaction, because you'd never heard of it, was kind of low key, right? I I I'd heard about it many years ago. In fact, I remember reporting about it almost 20 years ago at Saltwater Sportsman. But since then, a couple of things have changed, right? People in general, the next generation, maybe your generation. Uh, has gotten a lot more eco-friendly and uh, eco-friendly alternatives to traditional burial have gotten more and more trendy. Then you add in the pandemic, which I guess made people think the entire population of Earth was doomed and reef fall memorials have surged. In fact, Eternal Reefs says uh, the number of annual requests for information tripled during the pandemic, right? So Eternal Reef also has competition now. There are other companies doing the same thing. Matter of fact, according to the story, an operation recently started doing this in the UK. Um, and it's not a simple startup because you need a lot of government permits and permission to just go start dumping things offshore, right? You mm -hmm. can't just you know, run out there in, 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 your, in your boy's boat. Um, but the guys who run the operation over there say they are bombarded by calls from folks looking to replicate the model. Like these are people, yeah, they want to get in on the incorporating dead people into reef balls action. Personally, I've always thought this was kind of cool, right? And, and and as a man that has fished a lot of uh, artificial reefs, I'm very much for them. And uh, they certainly do work. Like you mentioned coral. It's not just habitat. They give corals and things places to cling to. Um, and they, so there's no denying that they create habitat. And it's a way to promote life after you're gone. And here's a quote from the piece. You're providing structure for fish to swim through and a place for plants to grow, said 77-year-old Janet Hawk of Indianapolis. My first impression was that they're really ugly. Then I thought, oh, it would be so nice to be down there with little orange fish darting through the holes in my ball. <sighs> no reaction to Do that. Do you want me Did to make the joke there? I don't... <laughs> <laughs> sometimes there's just no sport in it man that was it was a useless quote that i threw in there just for that and you just huffed at me anyway but you know what's even more trendy than eco-friendly alternatives to shit these days uh super hardcore eco people cutting down trendy eco-friendly alternatives and telling you why they're not actually that good for the environment Ooh, i love this game <laughs> okay so uh, in the story, according to rosie inman cook manager of the natural death center charity Cremation is a disaster because she says it releases 400 kilograms of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere with each body. Furthermore, the concrete manufacturing industry is responsible for 8% of global CO2 emissions. Okay, let me let me so tell this you comes the, back to your chum, right? Yeah, well, let me tell you like the problem with her logic. You know what creates a lot more carbon dioxide? People who are still alive. <laughs> <laughs> you're right so what's the alternative then you, you brought up the chum i wasn't thinking that but i mean if you think about it what's what's more eco-friendly is is an old school burial at sea right mm. like uh, if, if you if you that also promotes and sustains life does it not if you just weighed somebody down with sand in like a biodegradable bag the crabs would thrive and so on and so forth um, anyway, I, I still think it's a neat idea despite the CO2 emissions, though I got to tell you, I was thinking about this, right? If I did it, I wouldn't want my reef ball dropped on a reef. I'd ask that it be dropped in like a really popular lake cove in the middle of the night. So it would just like snag the shit out of lures and stuff. 
So like every time your boys are there, they'd be like, God damn it. Smelly just got another cake, <laughs> asshole. Or, or like put it, put it somewhere really inconvenient. Like where boaters had to mark it to know to avoid me, but then sit back and watch boats that weren't aware of me lose props and shit. So like I'm creating habitat and laughter in death. <laughs> Hayden, can we sign you up for a reef ball? I'll make sure it gets wherever you want it to go. Yeah. I mean, um, Gosh, do I have a lot it. of man? I, I have so many <laughs> thoughts about this, man. I have so many thoughts well, about give this. Give me some. You know, I, I'll tell you a funny thing that I was thinking off air once we uh, once we stop this recording. Um, <laughs> okay, you're welcome, listeners. You know what that is. <laughs> also, like, like, w- do you know what like the red tape around this is? Like, primarily, is it just like creating structure? Does it have anything to do with like the disposal of a body? No, 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 no. There's none. There's none of that. There, re- there really is no red tape, right? One thing I did not address, though, people are curious about a cost. So, like, a funeral these days, you're looking at spending like ten grand on a funeral. So you're looking at, I think, three to six thousand to have yourself turn into a reef ball. But there's, there's no red tape. I mean, they do this uh, alongside of organizations that build artificial reefs. So my impression is that if you have one of these organizations that has spent all the time and money cleaning, you know, 20 uh, decommissioned subway cars. Yeah. Well, it's like if they're heading out and it, and it lines out, like they'll hang on to your reef ball in Florida and make sure it gets to those people so that you end up on the reef in your state or like where you want to be. Oh, good. There's no red tape. It's just people complaining that, like, this is a dumb idea because of CO2. You, too, can ride the subway for all of eternity. Um, Right. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, You know what I want? I want, uh, when I die, I would like to, uh, what the shit is that uh, that stuff that they put Han Solo in, in Star Wars? Uh, No, I'm not Star Wars. I don't know. Phil, could you let us know real quick? Phil. Phil, we're going to kick it to Phil. Phil, please let us know what the stuff was that they put Han Solo in. Um, if you feel like it, I would also love to know if you were a reef ball, where should we drop you? Um, Whoa, hold on a second. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you transition there because I need to tell you my end game here. My end game oh, is I, <laughs> I want to be preserved in that stuff. And then I want to find like the most annoying tourist snorkeling destination possible. And then I want them to preserve my body in that take me out there and kind of like just tuck me into the reef so I can scare the shit out of tourist snorkelers as they're trying to enjoy their holiday, preferably where a bunch of little kids dive with their parents. Oh, that's good, but I hate to break it to you. It's not that original. There are underwater statues and things doing, isn't there some lake in Wisconsin where there's like a Jason Voorhees statue on the bottom where people really? dive? Oh. Pretty sure I've seen that. Unless it was a hoax, you're going to have to come up with something else, man. Yeah, well, anyhow, uh, they also make caskets out of mushrooms and something so you completely degrade and then people can, like, you know, pick the bolets where you died. Yeah, I, I want to just be buried whole just in case there's like some weird caveat when I get to heaven. <laughs> anyway, uh, why don't we kick it over to Phil, man? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna kick it over to Phil now. I already tried to kick it over to Phil. Uh, Phil, Star Wars, Reef Balls, um, let us know who won this week, would you? And when we're done hearing with Phil, we've got a little sagely wisdom from the sultry lips of our Bud River horse. And instead of talking about flies that won't work, this one's about one that probably worked a little too well. Joe Cermelli, you are the little orange fish swimming through the holes in my ball this week. You're the winner. (laughs) 
I think these reef balls are a rad idea. I wanted to laugh at them at first, but then I thought that I'm going to be that weird Disney adult that gets his grandchildren apprehended by Disney security after they scatter my ashes into the waters of Pirates of the Caribbean. Hey, now, this is River Horse coming to you from the deep south with some sagely wisdom. Today's story is about a big old mouse fly, but it's also about being a lifelong learner chasing your passions, and not being afraid to have some good old-fashioned fun. Today's story is called Here, Kitty Cat. There's 50 feet of 7X leading from the red leather couch into the bedroom, and all hell is about to break loose. She's in there throwing on a sundress and some boots for the day, as angelic and stunningly beautiful and momentarily innocent as ever. I've been testing endless variants of big-ass mouse flies from lakes to rivers all over Texas for most of the summer. Even the supper table is covered with them, a rodent hatch gone wild. I've got one of them tucked just under the dresser, by her toes, ready for prime time once I gently start stripping the tippet. It's all about presentation. I pause for a few seconds and then get the mouseketeer rolling along under her feet, molasses slow and tantalizingly sweet. God damn it, river horse, comes the howl from the flank of the house. She storms into the front, mouse number 38 being strangled in her hand, flings open the bungalow door and lets it fly onto the lawn. Doesn't make it far, getting stuck in the cactus. Other than me being in the doghouse until I make it up to her with white wine and steaks on the grill, there's no damage done, since you have to clip the hook for these sort of fun tests. Life only makes sense to me when I chase all of the random and errant curiosities I have about the world, exploring and delving in, and trying to seek the highest quality of whatever it is I'm into at the moment. The quintessential honey dripper toe curler mouse fly is my current self-assignment. Even I sometimes wonder what gives. Fishing a mouse with sack and grace ain't rocket science. There are only a few things you have to do, including fire a cast with a double haul that takes no prisoners. About the only time I give a look-see to my back cast is when I'm mousing it up. And yes, I get an odd pleasure from seeing the fly cruising past, ten feet off the water, those precious tiny ears pinned back hard, that tail erect and proud, acting as a fuselage stabilizer. Always land the mouse fly on something. Dirt banks, tree limbs, Lily pads, docks, floating logs, and sandbars. Strip them slower than slow, for you have nothing but time. Maybe begin with a few trembling whisker twitches, then a strange refried bean aftermath wobble. <coughs> the old backfire, too. And then make it happen with a big old disco inferno. Get that mouse on back to you. And don't forget to hang on tight for the wild eat. 
with time and continued derelict waterborne mouse misadventures, the experiments are finally whittled down to a last pair of mice types. After all these months in cast, two backyard brawlers have delivered the goods and done the most extensive damage to Lone Star Fish. There is the mesmerizing woolly deer hair version the size of a free-range chicken, aptly monikered buck fever, and the massive popper two-aught hook called Here Kitty. I need to decide which one of these rodents wants the victory lap. For a long while, I'm uncertain, until I get a wedding invitation in the mail for my buddy. One of my friends, you see, is an absolute A1 certified dingus. He's the kind of guy that thinks he's sexier than sexy. But he's a good friend, and we just deal with him. Seems like he's getting married. What a perfect place to bring the mouse flies and see what happens. I'm a very spiritual soul, and Mother Earth and the Great Spirit are always in my life. But one of my favorite churches will always be the water. For church today, I arrive at the wedding way early so I can set up the mice on long leaders and unleash it once the ceremony begins. There'll even be video cameras rolling to record the whole event for mouse and wedding posterity. On my wedding invitation, I even take a Sharpie marker and add River Horse plus two guests, Buck Fever and Here Kitty. Dearly beloved and all lovers of wedded bliss and mouse flies, we are gathered here today to absolutely freak the heck out of the first 20 rows of people. And as the musician Prince once said, let's go crazy. Do you, Buck Fever and Here Kitty, promise to unleash your steadfast love to all largemouth bass and full moon brown trout for eternity? With everyone finally at the altar and the wedding ceremony going full bloom, I know it's time I start stripping the mouse flies right to the feet of the bride and groom. It's on. And that's our sagely wisdom for today. My friend is still a dingus, but he's found the love of his life, and maybe he'll forgive me someday. As for me, Fishing mouse flies always rules. I found the best one. Here, kitty. Let's always remember that in life, don't take it all too seriously. Laughter is the sweetest medicine, my brothers and sisters. And there isn't much sweeter than a 10-pound bass eating a mouse. River Horse, man. Haven't heard from him in a while. Kind of missed that dude. Uh, this one hit home for me for two reasons. One, because I love mousing for trout. That's an obvious one. But also uh, because I actually tried to do something similar once, but was halted for fear of HR disciplinary. <laughs> and, and and this was way back when the live target field mouse first came out. Well, and I don't know what that is. It's a hollow body okay. lore. Yeah, it's, a hollow, it's like a hollow body frog, but it's a mouse. Um, and man, like it, it's, it, it is incredibly realistic. And at the time it was like mind blowing how much this thing looked like a little mouse, uh -huh. just like sitting there poised. Um, 
at the time I was still working in New York City in the in the uh, for Field and Stream when they yeah. still had their offices there. And I wanted to put it in the break room and set up a hidden camera and just let it roll for social media. And they wouldn't let you do that? But my, my boss was like, that is funny as shit. But hell no, absolutely not. Because what? like, you know, like old Marge in accounting would walk in and have a heart attack or something. And there was also the whole like filming people unaware. You're not yeah, well, Somebody I'll tell me you're not really supposed to do that. I'll, I'll tell you what, since no one in the office listens to the Bent podcast, anyhow, I'm going to do that. And you can live vicariously through <laughs> I'll me. send you one. I'll send you one. The, uh, I'll did send you did one. I ever tell you about my mouse pattern? No. You have a mouse pattern? Yep. It was, it was pretty good. It was a, um, it was a, let me think about this. You tied it on a streamer hook, right? And the tail, you use one of those squirmy wormy, uh, like in mm-hmm. pink. Yeah. And then you would also uh, tie those in for the feet. So the first thing you do is you'd wrap the hook down in thread, tie in the tail, and then you'd tie in each individual feet by just making like an inch long section, crossing it uh, across the hook shank in two spots. And then you'd have like, Mm -hmm. you know, like the foot Mm -hmm. and the tail out. Then you'd take a zonker strip and you'd wrap it all the way around. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And then what you would do is you would take a little piece of foam like what you use for like a chubby or whatever and you'd make your ears with it and then you would take a uh, a bass or like a like a sunny um foam like you know like one of those popper bodies yeah yeah and actually you would you would put that on first sorry you'd put that on first like you were doing it as a bead head but you'd put it in reverse so it was like a cone pointing towards the eye of the hook. Yeah, it's a sneaky Pete style head, is yeah. what they call that slider head. And what was cool about that pattern is like the because it was squirmy, wormy material, the tail and the feet would be like have like a ton of action in them. And mm-hmm. because you didn't have any uh, foam towards the back, it would kind of sit lower in the water towards the back end. So it would look like how a mouse swims. And then those right. foam ears, you could use that as kind of like a little popper. It would displace a bunch of water. Um, hmm. You know, so to, so to bring this full circle, man, I want to tie a couple of those. And uh, mousing is something that I absolutely want to do, uh, hopefully when I come visit this summer. I do have a pretty good idea of where I might pitch some mice around here. Yeah. But uh, you'll have to share some spots when I come back east, man. No, I will what? not. Which leads perfectly into this week's installment of the Ben Helpline, where we'll discuss when it is and is not okay to share fishing info. What are you laughing at, Martini? You're not an idiot? Huh? You're not a damn loony now, boy. You're a fisherman. <laughs> What's your emergency? So here's one uh, via the Instagrams from at Blue Water Johnny. Okay. Uh, this is, this is, this is going to be an interesting one. I'm very curious to hear your take on this. So, so here's what he writes. He says, so what do you do when you get called into an insane bite by some guys, you know, something that's on the down low and lasts for weeks, but you get told by the guys, let's call them crew a, that you can't tell anyone you go and smash them on their advice. Then your boys ask, Hey man, what you up to? Catching any, you kind of have to lie to your bros or burn crew A. What would Bent do? This is a dilemma of biblical proportions. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, maybe. Yeah, yeah kind of. Well, I honestly, man, I think it's like pretty cut and dry, dude. It's like, 
if you're going to go hit that bite, man, um, you pretty much just have to, like, not tell folks where you were. You can tell them, like, maybe if it's, uh, for instance, if somebody was like, hey, man, um, I saw you, like, banging them on coffin flies the other day. Uh, where, you know, what's up with that? You Can we go do that? I would be like... Uh, man, I, I can't really take you to like where I was. Cause like that, that's like something my buddies showed me and you know, they, they told me to kind of keep it on the hush hush, but I will tell you that like, it's kind of going off on like the West branch of the Delaware. And I, I and also listeners for all these examples, I always use the West branch of the Delaware because like, it's already that spot burned to hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, you know, is a large trout from New York, Pennsylvania, probably there. You know what I mean? Yep. In the summertime, millions of bugs coming off. Yeah, I mean, so this is a tougher one for me uh, because as I've joked before, like I barely have one solid set of fishing friends, let alone two that might conflict. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. where one would be worried about the other one was doing. Um, but I will say I am... Um, I'm extremely loyal with that kind of thing. If you if yeah. you show me something, uh, a, a great example, I got let in this summer to Sheep's Head in New Jersey. That's a thing. Mm. It's like getting more and more popular, but the guys who are good at it, they don't talk about it. And I knew one guy, and I pestered him till finally he was like, yes. And I realized that he was going to give me like three years worth of of hard work and knowledge in one shot. Hang on. Shut that dog up. My wife's yelling at me because she's on a meeting, too. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, what were we saying? Uh, something about fishing, fishing. Yeah, you said fish. that the guy, uh, you, you realized you were about yeah, to get yeah, three yeah, yeah, years yeah. Okay, worth of knowledge. So, so I, I realized that, like, this dude is about to show me in a few short hours what took him years and seasons mm-hmm. to dial in in one shot. And we had a great day, and we took very strategic photos downward into the boat so you saw nothing and i've been asked a million times under no circumstances am i giving that up like i will not yep. do that so you know i i i'm i'm very respectful of that but to your point you sort of hinted at it um you you can't be just like a total jerk about it but if you're if you're doing this in one specific area I might say the river or be like, hey, it's on, man. Get out there and explore. Like, the whole river is on fire right now, dude. Just get out there and and check it out. The other thing that you could do is just be, like, straight up honest with your uh, with your secondary buddies, i.e. not group A. You just go, yeah, man. I mean, we had a really good day. And, like, dude, it is on fire, like, in a butt. You know, you can give them, like, a general area again. But you can't. But just be honest. Just be like. But the person who took me really asked me not to tell anybody. So, like, I, I just can't. I'm really sorry. And they're going to give you, like, this sheepish look. Like, a bit, come on, bro. And you Just stick to it, man. Just be well, like, no, really. Because then, you know, even in the worst case scenario, your buddies in group B will have enough trust in you to take you to their spots. Because if there's one thing they know about you now, it's not where you caught that giant brown trout. But it's that if you get a good spot, you keep it on the down low. Exactly. And that is that is worth so much in fishing. Because another question he could have asked, which might have even been a better question, is what do you do when you take a buddy to a spot and say, don't tell anybody, and then show up in that spot, and he is there with someone else that you don't know? What do you do then? 
I am lucky in that I have never, you believe I have never had that happen to me? Though I have had people call me up and be like, hey, can I go to this spot with so-and-so? And sometimes I'm like, I'd prefer you didn't. And sometimes, depending on the spot, I'm like, yeah, go ahead. But they had the courtesy to reach out and be like, that spot you showed me, I would like to take my friend Brian. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Hey, I will say this, though. Uh, strong chance, if y'all send some comments about what you would do to that friend if if you showed up and he was in a spot you said not to be at with somebody else, I just want to know like what your reaction would be. Would there be whips, chains, just fists, just words? What would you do? Um, let us know and keep those questions coming to Ben at the mediator.com. Maybe we'll answer them right here on uh, the Ben helpline. So that's it for this week. Uh, if you were about to unleash that streamer, you thought was original to the masses. Sorry if we squashed your hopes and dreams, but I would like to uh, say thanks again to Brian Schmidt for joining us. Also, I'll reiterate that if you prefer to deliver your rodents on a swim bait rod instead of a fly rod, look him up. He makes badass giant rats. An umbrella rig of rats. Uh, (laughs) Also, uh, look us up. Keep sending those sale bin items, bar nominations, questions, and awkward photos to bent at themeateater.com. And uh, keep using those degenerate angler and bent podcast hashtags so we can see uh, what you got going on. Yes, please do. And finally, keep in mind that ranting about spot burns just raises your blood pressure, and that's not good. Just choose the healthier option, take out a bank loan, and just buy the entire river so we don't have to listen to you anymore. (laughs) Take your own advice, Joe. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.